Welcome to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We talk about the intersection of parenting and technology. Everything you need to know about raising kids in the digital age. This is Parenting Bites. Hi, welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of KidsViews.com. I'm here in the studio today with only Amy Oztan <laughs> of SelfishMom.com and really transforming into just Amy Oztan. Oh yeah, it's not SelfishMom.com anymore. No more nope, Selfish that Mom. Selfish Mom is dead long with Selfish Mom. Gone. Yeah. Um, Andrea's out sick today. She's joining us in spirit. So today we are having a phone guest um, in place of Andrea, even though no one can replace Andrea. We are going to be joined by Jessica Contrera of the Washington Post about a new series they are doing called The Screen Age, which is an entire series all about Generation Z, which is, well, I guess we'll talk to her about how they define that. There's different people defining the generations. Every day I read a different time frame for like what a millennial is, what Gen X is, yeah. now what Gen Z. It's annoying. They need to just settle. There needs to be an official committee, a government committee that sets down parameters and that's it forever. Right? Yeah. It's it's really whatever. But in my mind, Gen Z is kids born after 2000. That sounds I think right. It's 2009. That would make my son Gen Z. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Your son's definitely yep. Gen Z. So um, we're going to talk about that with her. But we're going to talk about the article she wrote for the series, which was about sexting which I kind of felt like went away, and now I guess not, I guess yeah. it's back. Um, so we will be right back to talk about that, and then we will have our Bites of the Week from just me and Amy. Amy, maybe we have to come up with some extra ones. Uh-oh. <laughs> Amy's Pressure. hard work. All right, we will be right back with our first topic, sexting. Ooh. This week we are brought to you by E Salon. How do you know a hair color is absolutely perfect for you? Well, what if it had your name on it? I love that idea. <laughs> Your name on it. E-Salon offers professional-grade, completely personalized hair color created just for you and delivered to your door. With E-Salon, you just fill out a questionnaire, upload your photo, and your personal colorist will formulate your color from over 15,000 pigments. Your unique E-Salon color then gets delivered to your door with your name on the bottle and instructions on how to get your hair the way you want it. If you have questions, the hair color experts at E-Salon are just a call away. It couldn't be easier. And if you want something a little different next month, just ask. This is your color created just for you, and eSalon understands you want it just right. Don't let your color fade, or me, who's letting her grays sort of run wild, <laughs> because you can't get to the salon. Or the salon is so crazy expensive. I don't know about the rest of you in the world, but in New York, it's obscene. eSalon has got you and any pesky grays covered. Visit eSalon.com slash parenting now. New customers will receive 50% off their first box. That's just $10 for your personalized hair color. It's personalized. It's not one of those like out of the box, dead color, no variation. It's going to be personalized, beautiful, salon quality color. Get 50% off your first box at eSalon.com slash parenting now. That's eSalon.com slash parenting. And then send us awesome pictures of your hair. Amy's going to do it and then she's going to share her fabulous hair. You have to do before and after. I was going to say, do I have to do the before with like the five inches of old color? <laughs> yes. It's been a while. That's what makes it miraculous. <laughs> so check it out and share it with us. Talking tech, apps, entertainment, and issues around parenting the digital generation. This is Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. Hi, everyone. We are jumping into our first topic today, and we have Jessica Contrera, who is a reporter with The Washington Post, on the phone with us. Hi, Jessica. Hello. We are so excited you're joining us today. So we this article came to our attention because 
everyone was sharing it on Facebook. This whole, I guess, you know, sexting has been out of the news for a while, and this article really encapsulated sexting, that it's still going on, but how it's going on and the repercussions of it, um, and the fact that this is part of this much larger series the Washington Post is doing called The Screen Age, really all about Gen Z, and I feel like we want to have you on because this article was so well done. It was such more of a real story rather than just sort of a fear mongery, yeah. you know, headline and then whatever. It was actually, it really went into the psychology behind it, like what happened with these kids, what happened with the how the principal reacted. It was so fascinating to us. Um, so we're really excited to have you on to talk about it. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for saying all that, too. The fear-mongering thing is definitely something we were trying really hard to avoid, but it's kind of hard to do on a topic like this because it is so scary. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> it is scary. You know, it's scary, and yet, um, and I guess we can talk more about this, but in so many ways it's become so normative for mm-hmm. kids to do this, um, even more so than when the kids in your story, right? Because now it's like two years later almost. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm that it's almost frightening how much it's expected or girls, um, it's not considered weird or strange or out of the ordinary. They're like, my daughters who are 14 talk all the time about not them, but like people who are asking for nudes. That's how they always say it. This mm-hmm, one was asking yeah. this one for nudes and this one, it's like, what? <laughs> but it's all, yeah, it's all the time. Yeah, is the proper term, if you will. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, it, that's definitely something I learned talking to uh, the main character uh, in this story, Maureen, and also um, some of the other girls who are involved in, and just other kids we talked to in researching for the story is there. there's a disconnect between sex and sexting. Um, they don't they're not like oh you do one and then it automatically leads to the other or you're on your way. It's sexting is um, because it's so easy to do, you know, it's mm-hmm. not a thing you really have to think about, you know, you can do it very quickly and then, you know, your picture is supposedly supposed to evaporate if you send it on Snapchat um, and you can do it so quickly. I think it's become, yeah, a very common part of flirting um, in, in, a, in a bubble if, if the world was a different place, right, those pictures would be sent and nothing would ever happen and, and maybe everything would be just fine. But of course, that, that's not the world we live in. Can you talk a little bit about, for our listeners who haven't read the story, just what the story was about and, and how you came to find this young girl and, and report on the story? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there, you know, texting, like you said, it's been around for a while. But one thing that I felt hadn't been quite explored yet is, you know, if you are that girl whose who's picture, um, you send it to someone and then it gets showed to other people who you didn't intend. Um, this, you know, even when a punishment is handed down, the story's not over. You have to go back to school and face, you know, kids and very often adults and teachers you looked up to and administrators who've now seen you in your most intimate moment that you thought was private. And the weight of that on someone who was already dealing with all the complexities of middle school and all the complexities of living in a social media world is is immense. So this story is about um, a girl in Auburn, Massachusetts, 
who, when she was in uh, seventh grade, started, um, you know, she, she was kind of uh, a kid who was struggling a little bit anyways, and she started to get the attention of one of the popular boys in the class, and he would text her and tell her, you know, how beautiful she was, and, and ask for her picture, and eventually she, you know, gave in just one night, and um, and soon enough, you know, it's a seventh grade relationship, they're, they're, it fizzled, and, and then next thing she knows, she finds out that um, this boy had, you know, a, a, another girl had seen the photo on, on this boy's phone, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's, she, she didn't go to school the next day because she was so afraid of what was going to happen, and sure enough, he sent it, you know, around the lunchroom at the school. And, and, and I want to point out that her face wasn't visible in the picture, but it didn't matter because he just told everybody. Like, she thought, okay, maybe yeah. it'll be okay because my face isn't in it. Doesn't matter. Right. There is a there's a there's a sense among all of all of the girls who are involved in this that there's something quite I shouldn't do this, right? That's why they crop their pictures out. But at the same time, you know, other girls told me, well, it's just you know, at first I thought, Oh, I shouldn't do this but then everyone else was doing it and eventually I just kinda did it. You know, and there's not a lot of thought that goes into it usually. So, so yeah, so this girl's, you know, photo was shown all around, and she was just devastated. And, and the worst part about it for her wasn't that people had, you know, seen her because she was wearing a bra and underwear in this picture. It was just the idea that she was labeled as a slut because this boy said, oh, she just sent it to me, and, and I, didn't, I didn't even ask for it. Um, she's just desperate, you know, and so then everyone else thought that she was a slut. And, and she had a really hard time, didn't go back to the seventh grade. And then when she went back to the eighth grade, you know, very isolated, was trying to kind of make it through. And next thing you know, her parents get another call from the school that this boy had sent, um, had shown her picture again at a Halloween party. It was the same picture that they thought had been deleted off his phone. And as we know, pictures don't really disappear. And not only did he have um, this girl Maureen's photo, but he had the, the photos of at least four other girls from the class. He had convinced them all sort of in the same manner, telling them how beautiful they are and that they shouldn't be ashamed of their body. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they put these girls, he put these girls up on a slideshow and a lot of them had cropped their faces out again or, or used a flash to disguise their faces. But the boys sat there and guessed whose body was whose. And... Like you, you mentioned, so this, you know, that was in eighth grade. Now these these um, kids are going into their sophomore year of high school, and for all of them, it, it has followed them around. Um, you know, there's Maureen is extremely isolated from the other kids at school, and and the way she phrases it as, you know, it's not something that anybody really talks about. You know, they're not, mm-hmm. you know, it, but it's just one of those things. She's just that girl. She'll always be. She feels. Like, she will always be labeled as that girl who did that. What's so interesting about that is I feel like everyone focuses so much on why are girls doing this. Mm-hmm. and why, But it was really the boy's behavior in all of this that's the problem. It mm. Like, she did it. Sure, she felt pressured, and then she sent in the... But he collected these pictures that he knew these girls thought he was deleting. They purposely cropped out their faces, but he let it be known who they were. He puts mm-hmm. a slideshow together and shows it. Like, every step of the way, to me, where is the conversation happening with the boys saying, you don't act like this? Like, this is... 
disgusting. It's immoral. It's predatory. It's, you know, shows a lack of character. Yeah, because his initial punishment was a slap on the wrist. Yeah. It was like a few days suspension. It was ridiculous. Right. Where she's left with the shame of it. Um, when at the same time, all these girls are like, well, everyone does it. So it's so strange to me that these girls, you'd think that the girls he all collected would like band together and, you know, sort of give it to him um, in some way, you know, just tell him like, you know, that they don't care or show they don't care. So, I mean, part of this seems like the point is the humiliation and the shaming of the girls after more than, I don't know, the, the doing sure, of it. Sure, Yeah, I mean, this has been the problem for, for centuries, right? It's very difficult for girls. It's much more acceptable for boys to be sexual. Mm-hmm. Than for girls, and um, and and how this played out in this particular school, you're right. Is that you know for the girls, it was the shame that came after, and they did they did do things like you know talk to each other and realize what had happened, and then they were you know mad, and they said you know all of right. these kind of things. But you know that we talked to a counselor at the middle school, and she said really it wasn't it wasn't just you know these girls against this boy, right? It was these girls against everyone because right. then all the other girls in the class, you know, were figuring out, oh, whose picture it was. And they were saying, oh, why, you know, oh, well, that's, you know, that, you know, they were shaming those those girls who had did it, even though they might have done it themselves, right? Because right. they want to make distance between themselves and those girls. And maybe they those girls were their best friends, but they don't want to be associated. And then there's like that, you know, middle school problem where all these girls are getting attention and then the other mm-hmm. girls are jealous. And it just turned into this whole icky thing that lasted the whole year and, and continues to last because they live in a small town and they all go to school together. And, right. um but as far as what you said about, um, you know, the, the responsibility on the boy and talking to boys, I mean, that's one thing I hope that the parents get out of this is, is you know, we need to we need to talk to all kids about this and and understand have everybody understand, you know, what really happens and how long that it lasts, um, because you know we it'd be easy for us to write off this boy as a, a predator, creepy kid. Um, and and I didn't talk to him. I will say, and I, I did talk to his mom, but um, she didn't say put anything on the record, and they didn't want to be part of the story. But what I I don't want people to do that and just say, well, that's that kid's just a, a bad apple, you right. know, that phrase we use too much. But because because he's under a certain kind of social pressure too. You know, my understanding um, is that he was being pushed out of his friend group a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and saw this as a way to get back in. Um, well, it's so yeah. complicated, right? I mean, yeah. boys uh, have their own. It's it's just interesting that this becomes leverage, like for both, you know, uh-huh. boys and girls. This like social, you know, just currency, I guess. Like that, you can now everyone focus on that. I mean, it used to be certainly this has always existed in middle school. It's just now amplified because of social media. Um, you know, and it's harder for kids to escape it when they go home because it's th- still on their phone and they're getting texts and they're, you know, it just continues. There's yeah. no safe space. Really. A, a friend of mine went into a photo booth when we were like 16 and mm-hmm. uh, was that like 1988 and took a, a picture in her bra and gave it to a guy and her parents found out and she got in trouble. And that was the end of it. Right. Like that was right. it. Maybe he still right. has it in his wallet. I don't know. But like it, that kind of stuff, you didn't <laughs> yeah. lay awake at night wondering if it was going to go anywhere. 
Sure. And 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 I when I was in high school, you know, this could happen, right? There was still there was texting and 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 did happen. Um, but there was still a certain limit to it because it had to be directly texted to you right. for you to get that girl's picture. Now, um, and and this wasn't particularly the case in this scenario, but so many of the ones that I could have written about were okay. Uh, they started collecting these pictures and then they put them on an Instagram account, and it took you know somebody reporting it until Instagram shut it down, but all these people saw it. Or they were put on Dropboxes, and then, you you know, the, the password for the Dropbox was passed around. And, right. you know, and then once there's a copy of it that exists like that in a Dropbox or Instagram, like, Lord knows how many copies are out there. What's so interesting is that she was in her bra and underwear. Yeah. It seems so... Yep innocent it's such a basic way like right. yeah, i mean these girls put up bikini pictures on instagram all summer yep. long yep so like <laughs> yeah, there's so right so like what is the difference like that's what's so interesting to me is that somehow because it was supposed to be private um you know be, almost because she you know kind of cropped out her face so that she it's like you're almost signaling like i know i shouldn't be doing this but i am so it feels mm. naughty or it feels wrong it made it this weird image that then became the subject of shame plus she sent it to him but meanwhile like had she put that up on instagram uh, you know it's just a mirror selfie i don't know right. if it would have gotten the right. same attention. right it's so it's 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 interesting and it is co- it's complicated um which again is why we went into such detail with this story because you, you know you don't want to just write it off as oh she'll be fine because she you know also has a picture on instagram that looks vaguely like this um but the the, the difference i think that really hit home for her was just the social isolation that was caught that was mm-hmm. caused by it because people saw it that she, you know, was desperate and was slutty and all of those horrible, you know, words right. that when you're 13 years old, uh, you know, if somebody called me that, now I would be, I would cry, right. <laughs> maybe, you know, <laughs> depending on who it was, if it was like people who I thought were my good friends, right. you know, um, and that's what happened to her, her whole, that's her whole, and, and there is, there's no, you know, as, as connected as, as these kids are, they, they realize there's a world out there, but still, when you're in seventh grade, your world is, is the people around you in seventh grade, and um, and your friends and the boys in your class, and, and for all of those people to see her as a pariah was devastating. That's and, awful. And I get that. I get the pressure that she put on herself mm-hmm. and the pressure that she had on her to do mm-hmm. something that she thought would help her social standing and mm-hmm. that ultimately hurt her. But I still can't muster any sympathy for the boy. I know you guys are talking about the pressures <laughs> that he was under, but mm-hmm. the pressure on him didn't lead to him doing something that would hurt his own reputation. And my question is, because we've talked about other cases, I think we've talked about on the podcast, about other cases where two kids were sexting back and forth willingly. Nobody shared mm-hmm. the picture where they weren't supposed to, but right. the girl's parents found out, called the police, the boy right. got charged mm-hmm. with disseminating child porn. So right. when does it cross that line? I feel like when he shared it without her permission, that crossed that line and something should have been done right then, not in eighth grade. Mm, yeah, it's 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 interesting to see how different institutions are handling it. From what I've learned, you know, sometimes it's the school, sometimes it's the police. Um, when it does come, like in this situation, where um, you know, honest, honestly, I, there, there's such a limit to what we can know about um, the 
the charges that mm-hmm. might be against him because he's a juvenile. But what I learned basically is is on for most of these situations where where the case will will turn you know, from something where they're going to slap him on the wrist to something where, you know, he might be labeled as a sex offender or um, might see actual punishment would be what it, it all kind of levels on this. Does he, did he have it quote intent to harm? So um, did, did he mean to do something to damage these girls' reputations? Now to prove that, right. To prove he coerced them, or that he was out to get them, you know, all of these things. One of the things that would, would be make that easier to prove is this, if, as if the girls come forward and talk about their experiences and share their text messages and all of these things. Hypothetically, that could get them in trouble because when you take a picture, you know, in some states, including Massachusetts, when you take a picture of your own body and you're a minor, you are creating child pornography. That's so hypothetically, insane. these girls can get in trouble too. So right. it's all incredibly complicated. In some states, they've caught up, right? They've made specific laws that relate to sexting. Massachusetts is not one of those states. And it's not like I think that he should be charged with the same kinds of crime as someone who, you know, like literally, you know, makes real child porn, right. real <laughs> quote unquote child porn. Um, but there has to be some kind of like, I don't know, baby child porn charge <laughs> that we can can level at these kids so that they know what's coming if they keep doing this as they get older. I actually wonder if this is sort of something that should be tied into the larger conversation of consent. Mm-hmm. That I think this generation in particular, for Generation Z, this is something they are also growing up with. Like we talk about they're growing up with screens, but they're growing up with this conversation around rape culture and consent that I don't think has ever existed in this public of a way. Um, and I find it, I mean, I find it completely fascinating. And I have these conversations with my daughters all the time. And certainly as you start to look at colleges and thinking about colleges. But this idea of sharing pictures, without not just without someone's consent, but explicitly knowing they sent it to you with the intent for it to be kept private. Um, and when someone's using Snapchat and they think it's going to disappear, and I don't know, this mm-hmm. wasn't done over Snapchat, right? Was this done on, over no, Kick? No, this was this was. Um, they were definitely talking over Kick. Whether these pictures were sent on Kick specifically or on text messaging, mm-hmm. I don't think I ever asked. Right. To be honest, because so I think I, I think it's an interesting conversation. Like I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't label a boy who shares a picture as a sex offender. I just think that label and, and the laws around that are right. so horrendous. Too harsh. Um, but this whole idea of consent, like it seems like this is an opportunity to have that conversation. That conversation needs to start way earlier, obviously. Like mm-hmm. middle school mm-hmm. is probably too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it should probably start to include this broader idea of sharing pictures like this because it is, to your point, like what you said before, the, the dissemination of these is totally different. Um, and it's it does sort of tie into that same idea of, I don't know, to me it's it's all wrapped up in that same issue of, um, sure. of all that, yeah. all everything we've been um, talking about, about college campuses and high school and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff that's being challenged now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you're talking about, you know, starting those conversations early. I mean, that that's really 
the key thing. So my um, my colleague is working on all of um, the series with me. Her name is Caitlin Gibson, and she did um, a piece that accompanied our, our sexting piece where she went to um, she went to a session that was being held in Virginia where the police were coming to talk to the kids. And she had been a police reporter in this area a couple years back and went to a similar session back then where they, you know, they said parents only, you know, this is extremely sensitive material. Only, we can only have parents in this session. Um, And then she went back this year and they're saying the exact same things that they, you know, would tell parents only. Now they're telling sixth graders because Hmm. They need to, like, these conversations, you just have, you know, I like, it's uncomfortable, but really, like, the police and the schools are asking parents, please start talking to your kids about this early. Because, you know, there's certain stuff, like, like the, you know, in the story, um, the police officer asked the kids, you know, so, you know, what, what age do you guys think that you have to be in Virginia to be prosecuted as an adult? And, you know, all the kids answer, 18. He's like, no, no, no. 14. Wow. And then you can just see the kids get, you know, they're, they're gasping. They obviously didn't know. You right. Know? Yeah. It's, it's so complicated, I think, because I, I mean, I don't know. We all grew up with like the dare and the drug talks like that, where you'd have mm-hmm. cops come and talk about drugs. And I never felt like that was effective. And I, I don't know if you can like scare kids straight Um, Like that, like where the cops come in. I feel like there has to be such a different conversation in your school as a community, much more that's Mm. about like respect and character and empathy and then consent, like that larger, like it should be in sex ed, like it should be in their health class, like it should be more instead of like a one-time assembly. Yeah, it's it's like sex. It's not a one-time talk. It's an ongoing thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope hope it's all of these things. I hope it's the police one day and the health teacher the next and your parents every day. In an ideal world. You need to talk about this every day. But, um, but it, it's it's big enough, and as we can see, it's detrimental enough that if you don't do it, that some some scary things can happen. And and that's you know when I the, my very badly worded um, baby child porn charges. <laughs> I meant like child porn junior charges. Right. Um, it, that's the problem because it's easier to try to scare the girls because they're the ones who are going uh-huh. who at this point are going right. to, to be hurt more by it. We need to get to the point where the boys know that there's an actual consequence for when they do it because right now it just doesn't seem like there is. The girls' reputations are ruined and the guys, you know, they get a suspension and a pat on the back in the locker room. Right. But, you know, one thing I know is just I, I think you're right. It's, it's very difficult to, to talk to boys about this. And I say this as someone who has no kids or dogs or barely even <laughs> so please don't please don't take this as like my parenting advice. But but you know, one of the things that stories that didn't make it into this story was so Maureen, the girl in the story, her parents, um, they have two other kids, and one of their, you know, their son is now the age that Maureen was when all of this, and the boy, when all of this went down, right? So they're trying to teach him, you know, all of, they're trying to, to, to teach him not just about, you know, safety and, and those types of things, but respecting women, right? That women are not an object and, the, and those types of things. And then they, you know, his mom, she has his Instagram password now. So she sees what's on his Instagram, which is, by the way, on private. So pretty much everything that they can do to stop him from getting in trouble on Instagram, they're doing. But then every single day, 
because probably because he's a boy who follows a bunch of sports accounts and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He gets follow requests from porn accounts right. that have webcams. And sure, Instagram takes them down as soon as they see them, but maybe they're there for 30 minutes and all he has to do, it literally, literally comes to his phone. Right. It's like, watch this, you know, watch this. Like, this is, I'm, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it really, um, stuff that, that, you know, how, how can they, how can they know for sure? Well, I think a lot, they can't, right? You just have to have mm-hmm. constant mm-hmm. conversations with him about porn. And honestly, <laughs> I, I think that the COPPA laws are a big problem with this because if you could more easily legally let kids under 13 onto these accounts when they're on them anyway, then you could make safeguards. But right. because they're not supposed they to let to kids on, yeah, they have to pretend that the kids aren't on there. So right. we don't need to prevent this. But stuff. even at thirteen, he is thirteen, right? If he's in seventh grade and he's thirteen, he's now yeah, legal. that's true. He's it, legal on there. And you're st- it's yeah, that's like a whole other conversation, the porn conversation, mm. <laughs> and like what's out there. But it does all contribute to that same feeling, that yeah. same culture, the culture that's all around these kids in a much bigger way than was ever mm. around um, previous uh, yeah, generations. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to look into that. And I will say, it was, we're hoping to continue the series, so if anybody Great. has any ideas for things that they want to know about or understand, and we're looking for stories that are really kind of focused on kids and their actual experiences, um, please, by all means, email me. It's jessica.contrera at washpost.com. Oh, great. We'll put that's that on fun. our Facebook page, too, so okay. that, cause that's our, our whole audience, I think, is raising Generation Z, so oh, okay. <laughs> everyone's into it. Well, Thanks so much, left. Jessica. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll have a link to the article and the whole series on our Facebook page, too. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. There are a number of different stories that we've done, both mine and, and um, my colleague, Caitlin Gibson, and we'd love for you to read them. So Great. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you guys, too. Bye. We'll be right back with our Bites of the Week. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Parenting Bites with Rebecca Levy. We are back with our Bites of the Week, our sad two-person. <laughs> so Amy, Amy said she might have two to make I up have for it. two. All right, go ahead. So um, this bite is actually inspired by the conversation that we just had because there's so many things, and this isn't just for kids, there's so many things that happen in comment sections online that are just disgusting, and, and you know, I'm... I'm an adult, I can avoid them, I can ignore them, but for a lot of people, they cause a lot of real angst. Like, there are people who are not as, as don't have as thick a skin and, and can't ignore them. And so Instagram is doing something that I think really goes in the right direction. Um, they're going to let people screen comments for certain words. You can either use the really X-rated list of words that they've come up with, or you can make your own list. Um, And the great thing about it is the person trying to leave a comment with those words doesn't even know that their comment was rejected. It's just you never see it. They never know. And it just never appears on your Instagram account. So I think that that's that's a really great thing. And I wish that all of the the different social networks would do that. Because we have obviously filters like that on kids. Oh, yeah. Is you have to do every variation. Yeah, you have to like put a zero where there's an O. Yes. Yeah, everything. <laughs> everything. And I'm sure that their database will grow as people try to get around yeah. it. Um, but, you know, if you see a comment show up that that gets around a word, then add that to your list and yeah, just, just keep it growing so that those people have to stay out. So I think that's great. Um, and then my other bite 
is actually an article in the Washington Post from a few days ago by Tim Gunn, who I love. I love Tim Gunn. I want to move to Rebecca's neighborhood just (laughs) because apparently she sees him all the time. At the diner. Yeah, I'm just going to go hang out at Rebecca's diner. He sits in the same booth with his iPad and a cup of coffee every morning. I love him. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and, and I actually, I had lunch with him. Uh, what was it a year and a half ago? Fiona and I had lunched them. We wanted in a in a charity auction, and it was supposed to be like you know an hour. We sat there for four hours. He was fabulous. I love him to death. But one of the things that I remember from my lunch is that I was feeling particularly frumpy. It was the middle of winter, and I was feeling very large. I'm like a size 14, 16. I'm not small, and I had put on a dress, and I just I wasn't feeling good about it. And he said such wonderful things to me, and he's saying a lot of those things in this article. And um, if you are a, a bigger woman, or I guess now an average woman, who has trouble finding good clothes in your size, you know, he's taking the, the designers to task for that. All of their excuses about bigger women's bodies be, all being too different to fit and all that stuff, you know, it's it's just not an excuse. And there are designers who are managing to do it. Christian Sir, Christian Sir, I was just going to say, like, he's really stepping up. He, he had, really I think, is. five real size women in his that he just had show walked. the other day. Yeah, they, like, with, that, with no fanfare. Yep, he didn't say anything about it. It wasn't a plus line. He just, yep, just did it. Did it. It can be done. And more designers need to do it. And I, I applaud Tim Gunn for standing up and saying it. So thanks, Tim. I love him. He's great. Um, so my bite of the week is so geeky. There is a video. I saw it on Slate. I'm not sure where it originated. Um, but it is under a microscope what bacteria looks like when it becomes resistant to an antibiotic. Oh, God. You watch the the cell itself, the oh, actual no. bacteria. It's so cool. Becoming, adapting, and becoming resistant like to the, the antibiotic. It's nightmares. It's unbelievable. But if, like, for your kids, like, for anyone who wants to, it is so cool. Wow. Um, I don't know why. I found it, like, mesmerizing and whatever. And my other thing was um, for you, Amy, which I sent to you. <gasps> for me. Which was the live webcam of cleaning the giant blue whale it, it at was the great. Natural History it Museum. It was fun to watch. <laughs> I didn't get to watch it live because I was someplace where I didn't have much internet, but I watched it later. It is, yeah. th- it is for people who don't know, the whale in the oceanic life room. In the, it's true to size, right, it's of a blue gigantic. whale. It is massive, it's, and it hangs from the ceiling. I don't know how. I don't even like walking under it, I don't because either. I don't know how it hangs I from the ceiling. I went to a wedding there, where that, it's right above you. It was I the coolest I slept thing ever. under it. Oh, you did the yeah. sleepover? Yeah, the, with kids' views, and oh, it was terrifying. Oh, that's right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, did, I did that. Um, <laughs> so, um, I forgot. Um, so, <laughs> It is just, I had to like lower it to clean it. I don't think it's been cleaned in like 50 years. Oh, that's not like a regular thing that they do. Oh, I thought that was like a year's worth of dirt. I think it's part of the restoration they've done to that room. Ah. It used to be really dingy and kind of gross. If you see The Squid and the Whale, the movie, which has nothing to do with the National (laughs) Museum, except there's a big famous scene in that movie that takes place there. It's like the old timey one where the dioramas were old mm-hmm. and dirty and everything and now they've been like cleaned and beautiful and made pretty. Um, and I, I think the whale might have been the last oh. dirty. <laughs> it's so big. The thing is, I don't even like cleaning. It's not like I'm a clean freak. I'm like the opposite. But there was just something so satisfying about seeing all that go I know. away I methodically. Want, so my dream, you know, we always say like, I could watch Meryl Streep fold laundry. I feel like someone should start like a fold laundry webcam. Like, <laughs> Like, I would watch that person fold laundry. I bet people would sit and totally watch it. <laughs> Glenn Close, folding laundry. Folding laundry. Sydney Poitier, or they'd folding like, laundry. Do it. All right, well, that's <laughs> it for us today. Uh, Andrea will be back with us next week, we hope. Get Poor better. Andrea, get better. 
Um, yeah, and we will have links to everything we talked about today on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash parentingbites, and of course on parentingbites.com, links to this incredible Washington Post series. You should definitely, they have a whole section at the end of every article in the series where you can submit your own issues or things like that about raising Generation Z. Do it. Like if there's pressing things you'd love to hear stories about, or if you have a story, um, obviously they can change your names, keep you anonymous like mm-hmm. they did on this one. You can follow us on Twitter, hashtag ParentingBytes, and of course on Play.it, where you can find us and all the other CBS podcasts. Until next week, good luck parenting. (laughs) Bye. Bye.